Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. If we're going to clap for anybody, can we clap for the kids' Christmas choir today? What an amazing, amazing show of young people. I love that we're part of a church that doesn't just say that we love the next generation, but we live that. We give opportunities for young people each and every weekend that they don't have to wait to be great. They can love God and take steps to honor God right where they're at. I want to welcome you to Milestone Church. Thank you so much for being here this weekend, whether you're in Keller, Hazlitt, McKinney, watching online, or find yourself watching at a later date. Welcome to church, and we're so glad that you're here today. If I've never met you before, my name is Drew Wynn. I'm the next-gen pastor here at our church, and all that means is myself and the teams that I get to work with, we do everything that we know how to do to partner with you and to help your child and your teenager come to know who Jesus is and to live a life that would honor him daily. Our heart is to make you the hero of your home and to build your family while we do that. And maybe you're thinking, well, you don't look old enough to have a family. Last night, actually, a gentleman told me, he's like, you know what, it's good that you tell us that you're not 20 because you look really young. And I just said, don't hold my inability to not grow a beard against me, okay? So I want to show you a picture of my family right here. My wife, Aubrey, and I have been married for 12, almost 13 years, coming this March the 18th. We met, yeah, we can clap for that. She's amazing. If you meet any one of us, meet her. She's the better half. She's absolutely awesome. We met in church Not why you go to church, but an amazing consequence of following God and being in his house. It's a great place to meet people. We've got three kids. Our oldest, Willow, she's 11. She's in sixth grade this year. She's the classic firstborn. She is such a joy. I love this girl. She's the one that made us parents, but she is in sixth grade. (laughs) And if you have a sixth grade student or a middle school student, we live the same life, and I'm with you always. Our son, Maxwell, he's eight years old. He is the definition of his name, Max, meaning literally to the maximum of everything and well, a deep well, the, the, the amount of that maximum energy. He wants to party everywhere he goes, and that is who he is. He doesn't have much preaching content in this message today, but most of the messages I preach, he is part of the story that I tell. Our youngest, Goldie, she's four years old. She's, she's there. We don't have favorites, but we do have Goldie, and we love her very, very much. You know, this Christmas at Milestone, I love Christmas season, especially at Milestone Church. In the series that we've been in called Believe, Pastor Jeff kicked off a couple of weeks ago. And if you didn't get a chance to see any of these messages, week one, he talked about this belief that we have during this Christmas season. It's the Christmas spirit that we feel. But really what it is that we're truly looking for is faith. And in week one, he talked about what is faith? How do we get faith? Last week, we took a look at another part of the Christmas story about Mary and how her faith and our faith is built in the context of spiritual family with one another. Today, we get to take a look at another part of the Christmas story and see how our faith is built when you and I know 
Jesus. So if you didn't catch any of the prior messages of this series, I would encourage you, go online, go to our YouTube, watch week one and two. And if today you don't like what I say, you don't really click or like how I preach, I've got good news for you. Pastor Jeff will be back here on Wednesday, kicking off our candlelight Christmas celebrations and watch those messages online. And I do want to take a second to honor and thank Pastor Jeff and Brandy just for allowing me to share on this platform this weekend to talk about Jesus. Because really, I have done nothing or I don't deserve to be in a position like this. I don't come from a Christian heritage. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I come from a broken home that was confused and I didn't know who Jesus was. But I'll never forget walking into church at 18 years old hearing about Jesus Christ and what he had done for me. And that's what I have to offer you today. As I'm a person who is imperfect, that comes from an imperfect past, but at 18, God radically changed my life and I've never looked back. So today is just really a person that gets to stand here and just to share with you the possibility and what God can do in your life, especially during this Christmas season. I love being a part of a church that God is moving and he's working and he's touching hearts and he's reaching people. Something that I want to celebrate and maybe give you a perspective of because it happens every single month, week in and week out. But I want you to know that this year, the last 12 months, 2023 at Milestone Church, we have seen more people take a step to be water baptized than in the entire history of the 21 years that Milestone Church has existed. If you see these pictures that are on screen right now, this is so much more than a collage. If you look at every single picture, there are grandparents, parents, Brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, single adults, children, teenagers, every single one of them bowing the knee, going all in with Jesus, taking that step of obedience in front of anyone that will watch to say, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Aren't you glad that we get to be a part of a church where God's moving and he's reaching people no one's ever too far off that he can't meet them right where they're at. See, you and I, we're living. We are living what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12. God is so good. He's inviting us into the family of God. But you and I, we walk in the reality of John 1, 12, where it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. People far from God, people not wanting anything to do with God, people clueless about God, people who have grown up in this Christian culture but didn't really know who Jesus was. All of the above, God is touching the hearts of all types of people from every type of background. That scripture, it says he gives us the right to become children, to become sons, to become daughters. Of God. He adopts us into his family. See, God could have, all of those years ago, when he gave his life on the cross to overcome our sin and death, rose again three days later to forgive us of our sins. And at that moment, he could have just stopped right there. And that is so much more than you and I ever deserve. But he is so loving, he is so good that he would adopt us in, call us in, and place us in his family 
in the context of spiritual family. See, that's God's heart for you and for me. Family, speaking of, this Christmas time, we have opportunity to spend extended time with family. I saw your face when I said that. Some of us filled with so much joy, happiness, laughter, can't wait to go see my family or can't wait to have my family in town. For others that are in the room, family, that word can be complicated. Maybe it comes with some feelings of pain, a background that maybe you don't want to remember, some awkward conversations, some lighthearted ones, maybe some moments that are a little bit uncomfortable. But that's part of Christmas, isn't it? Christmas, when you think about it, if you're ranking all of the holidays throughout the year, and my kids are always saying, Dad, my favorite holiday, it's my birthday. Like, bro, that is not a holiday, okay? No one else celebrates that but the Wynn kids, okay? But in the ranking of all the holidays, Christmas, in my opinion, is at the top of the list. Now hear me, I'm not weird Christmas guy. My tree is not put up in October, okay? That's not me. We wait until after Thanksgiving, it's the Friday after, and then we put the tree up, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and all of God's people clapped, amen, all right. That's when we put up our tree. I love Christmas because during this time, especially that milestone, you walk in, it's the beautiful decor, it's the free hot cocoa, kids and put jammies, and you're walking in, it feels good, it smells good. Everyone's excited for what's to come in this season, the possibility that God has for each and every single one of us. And as, as perfect as that Hallmark picture of Christmas lives in our minds, you and I have got to be honest. Sometimes things do go as planned, and it's amazing, and you're the most brilliant person in the world. But maybe more often than not, things are slightly different than the plans that we saw in our minds. We can have a great Christmas, but sometimes we can have a Christmas that is so far from our expectation, it really is unforgettable. And this was true in my life when I was about six or seven years old. I had a truly unforgettable Christmas. Growing up, my parents, they told me about Santa, that he was real, so your opinions on Santa, this message is not about the validity of Santa. That's another weekend. But in my home growing up, Santa was a real thing. So we did the whole deal. Drew, it's the naughty list. It's the nice list. All year, you're thinking about what list you're going to be on. You put out the cookies, the milk on Christmas Eve for Santa. You get the house ready, all the decor. You make a Christmas list. You can even mail him a letter. Our parents are like, okay, Drew, tonight, it's Christmas Eve. Go to bed, and under no circumstances are you to get out of your room at all, and on Christmas morning, you can come down and let's see what Santa left you. So excited as a kid, got my Christmas jammies on, I run up the stairs, dive into my bed, covers over my head, my heart's beating, it's almost Christmas morning. I finally fall asleep, but in the middle of the night, I hear some movement downstairs. I know my parents said not to get out of my bed, Lord forgive me. But I walk across the second floor as quiet as I can. I peek over the banister and in the dark, in my house, the celebrity himself, Santa, was in my house moving things in my living room in the dark. A little more slender than I thought he would be. Not wearing 
the Santa outfit, moving Christmas presents and kind of like out the back door and then back in. And I was like, oh my gosh, Santa is in my house. So I run across the second floor again, across the game room, into my bedroom, dive in, covers over my head. I try to go to sleep. And then finally, what feels like an eternity, the sun finally comes up. So I run downstairs, knock on my parents' door. Mom, Dad, Santa was here. It's time to go see what he left us. So they're wiping the sleep out of their eyes. We walk out of their bedroom. We're going to the living room. And all of my expectation and excitement, we get there only to find we got robbed Christmas Eve. The, I know, the most unbelievable thing happened to a seven, a seven-year-old. I'm 36. I feel it today. You don't have to weep for me today, though. The next day when the stores were open, my parents took me to the store, and basically everything I pointed at was mine. So it was cool. <laughs> I even FaceTimed my dad this week just to, just, like, just to ask him details. I'm like, Dad, I'm about to share this story in front of a lot of people. I need to know, is this true? Like, do I remember this correctly? And as, as we were talking, just things were coming out of my soul. <laughs> I have repressed things for 30 years. Pray for me. Like, you know, I had a picture in my head of what Christmas would be like when I woke up on Christmas morning. So many expectations. We, we did the cookies. We did the milk. We wrote the letter. We tried our best to get on the nice list. And I went to bed, and I woke up, and my reality could not be, could not be further than what my hopes and dreams were for that day. See, maybe for you, it's not a real-life Grinch stole Christmas moment. I pray that's not the case for you. But all of us have felt a moment or walked in a season that's like this. A lot of us, it is during this Christmas time. Christmas just has a way of just putting that soup pot on boil and all this stuff comes to the top, doesn't it? And you're reminded of things that are way easier to kind of just push down during the year, but this time of year, it kind of does just come to the surface, doesn't it? Maybe it's serious things, maybe they're trivial things, maybe it can be as innocent as a family Christmas photo to send out the Christmas card. Anybody love taking family photos? God bless you. I'll talk to everybody else then. This is great. That's awesome. I love that you, and like my mother-in-law is our family photographer, so she's the best in the world, by the way. I just want to let you know that because she's here, so I'm going to say that out loud. But family photos, right? You, you make the preparation. You buy the outfit. It's in the family group text. Are we going neutrals this year? Are we going denim this year? Is it all white this year? Is it all, like, you have no idea. Pantone said the color of the year in 2024 is peach fuzz. How do you accessorize that? I have no clue. So you're doing all of these things. You're picking out the outfit. You do your hair. You, you get the kids fed, dressed, hair combed, you make it to the destination, the spot that you saw on Instagram with the trees and the leaves falling, it's beautiful, all of these things. Photographer's there, you take the photo, you're taking all of these photos and you, you like Googled how to look good in a picture so it's leg forward, arm forward, dip, bam, right there, right? So you look good in the photo. And then you finally get the proofs back and you're like, oh my gosh. Why are your eyes closed? Why are you choking your sister? What happened? Why does my hair look like that? You did all of this work. 
only to get the proof back in your life. What? We are a nice family, and you will believe that's who we are. Right? But what's deeper than that is that photo means so much to you. It means so much. Because for that moment, it's a reminder of what maybe you hope Christmas is like. All year you've been thinking about this. You've planned the scripture that's on that card, the people that you'll send it to, the photographer, everything, the outfits, and then you see it, and it's different than your expectation, and you, you don't say it out loud, but there's a little bit of a tinge in your heart of just disappointment because you had looked forward to that all year. See, we can work so hard. We can go to so many events be with so many people, be in those places, all of those obligations. Maybe it's the expectation that you put on yourself or it's the expectation that your family puts on you. We can do all of these things in our hope to feel close to God in this Christmas time. What if I were to tell you that God has a solution for us in Scripture? If you have your Bibles or your phone, you can open your app. Go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. See, this scripture that we're about to read is one of the all-time Christmas card verses that you see. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and as you turn, I want to give you a little bit of context. See, Isaiah, a prophet, is foretelling of the coming king, the solution for his people. Because he's speaking to the Israelites at this time, and at this time, the Israelites, they are in need of nothing more than hope itself. They're in a stage in their life where their expectation was one thing, but the reality that they're living in is so different than what they experience every single day. And this is what Isaiah says to God's people. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of Peace. Four characteristics of Jesus, not just the baby Jesus that you and I see in nativity scenes at this time of year, but I'm talking about the man that he grows to become fully God, fully man. These characteristics, the character of who he is that would lead his people in that time, but also lead us in this time. Not just at Christmas, but in every season of our life. See, this Christmas card scripture, we've seen it. Maybe it was even on your Christmas card that you sent out, but what we're going to do right now is dive in to what does this scripture mean to you and your family today. Isaiah tells us that the first thing he is is he is a wonderful counselor. Our God is a wonderful counselor. Counselor, He gives us wisdom for our life, wisdom for daily decisions, wisdom for the times we don't know what to do, wisdom when we feel like we are at the end of who we are. Well, let me tell you, when you're at the end of what you know how to do, we can lean on the wisdom of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a family verse for our family. We teach this to milestone kids. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. If we allow God to set the direction of our 
path, to set the pace of the path. And we're just saying, God, what would you have me do in this situation? This person, they were ugly to me. This family member, they said something that hurt my heart. I feel offended right here. God, what would you have me do? You are the wonderful counselor. Give me, Lord, your wisdom in this time. It's tricky because we live with our family, right? We're blood related. We didn't get to choose them. God placed us in that family. Christmas, our lives keep going after this season. We need his wisdom to navigate the things that we feel during this time. See, Isaiah says he's wonderful counselor, but also he's mighty God. Isn't that good news? Our God is a mighty God. His power, his might, there's nothing that we could do that would lessen the power that he has available for you and for me in our lives. He's a powerful God. Nothing that you face is greater than the power of God. His power supersedes any situation that you could be in right now. I'm not trivializing that, but I'm just trying to give us a perspective of how great and how big God is in our life. See, his power is available to you and to me. His resurrection power is available to you. What does that mean? That means the things that you feel that are dead in your life, his resurrection power can touch that and breathe life into it again. His healing power is available in your life. That means he can heal mind, body, and soul in your life and the ones that you love. His restorative power to restore a marriage, to restore a friendship, to restore a family relationship that you wish was in a different condition. One touch in that area, when God enters that situation, everything can change in this time. See, God, he's wonderful counselor, he's mighty God, he's also everlasting father. An everlasting father that has an unconditional love for every single person that's here. An unconditional love, there's not one person that is too far gone, not one family member that is way so far out there that God can't meet them right where they're at. You have done nothing that taxes God's love for you. See, as a father myself, I want the best for my kids. When I see them fail, it doesn't stop me from loving them. I want to pick them up and lift their head and refocus their eyes on God's purpose for their life. But if I'm honest with you, oftentimes my human view of my earthly father can skew my perspective of my heavenly father. If you find yourself in that thought process or in that place in your heart, can I just remind you that our everlasting father, our heavenly father, he is the model example of kindness, of love, of intentionality, of presence. He knows exactly where you are. He knows and he sees you right where you're at. He listens to your prayer. He knows you well. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He's an everlasting father, but also he's prince of peace. I've never met anyone in my life that says, hey, you know what, Pastor Drew? I got too much peace in my life. I'm good. Not one time have I ever heard that. Especially in this season, the peace of God can wash over us and can quiet our soul and our heart. I can be guilty of, though, looking to outward circumstances to provide peace in my soul. 
if something goes exactly how I think it should go, then I'm peaceful. If, if, if things are calm and nobody's sick in my home or the finances are good or, or, or Johnny got in the school play or the thing at the sports team or this thing at work or if all that stuff works out or it's a slower time of you, then I'm calm in my heart. But what the Bible tells us is the Prince of Peace is not a situation. The Prince of Peace is not a circumstance. The Prince of Peace is a person. That person is Jesus. He loves you. He knows you. He is the source of our peace. So when our soul rests in the truth and the grace of who Jesus is, it does not matter what is happening on the outside of us. When it hits our world and it hits our eyes and it hits our heart, we can stand there with everything wind blowing coming at us and our heart can be calm. Our heart can be full of peace. Why? Because he lives in us. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I can't help but think that when you and I understand the character of Jesus, we know who he is. Not only does it build our faith, it inspires us to help others into a relationship with him. It inspires us not just to keep it to ourselves, but to help others discover this love and this grace that Jesus has on offer. I love that Jesus was so clear. He said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love that God didn't mince words here. This was his purpose, to seek and to save the lost. This Christmas season, he's Emmanuel, God with us, but Jesus is the God who saves this was his purpose. He came to earth, put on flesh and bone, walked in the same broken world that you and I walked in. To know the temptation, to know all the things that we deal with, the pain in our heart, those who betrayed him, those who talked bad against him, all of these things, and he gave his life for them. He lived a perfect, blameless, sinless life, willingly hung on the cross, died, buried in the tomb, three days later rose again. Why? for you, for me, and for the people that we love. He knew that we would need a solution for our sin problem. I ask you today, put yourself back in the place when you first chose to follow Jesus. For me, I can bring myself to that moment like it was yesterday. Growing up, two parents moving from another country, immigrants here, to have the American dream to build a business. We were all in with that. That was their God. It went really, really great, and then it went not so great. And with the not so great came the issues of the burdens of finances and marital problems and relational issues and the things that they had. I'll never forget, it's, it's, it's the heartbreak of having an an absent father in my teenage years, and it's the extra burden and the weight that you carry with a single mother. And she's, she was so good, she was so great, but she, she's not God, she's human. She couldn't do it all, but she tried her best with that. I remember being a young guy trying to figure out who I was in life with all the dreams, aspiration, and drive, but really, I never said this out loud, out loud but in my heart of hearts, having a tinge of insecurity because I didn't have someone to model it for me. Trying everything that I could do Faking it till you make it, right? That's what everybody tells you to do, trying to get there, not knowing who, who the solution was or where to go, feeling lost and empty. But I'll never forget being 18 years old, walking into God's house, 
We had done everything, but we'd never been to church. My mom made me go. Came several weeks in a row, and the preacher came out one weekend and preached on Psalm 68. Shared with me that God's heart is to be the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows, to set the lonely in families, and then told me what Jesus had done for my salvation, but also for the purpose of my life. And I'll never forget as a young guy at 18, bowing the knee and saying, I'm all in for that. And I know it's maybe a significant detail for me and a small detail for you, but I'm 36 now. I became a Christian at 18. For the first time in my life, I get to preach a message from a platform to say, hey, I've finally been following Jesus for the majority of my life. I'm finally in a place now where I've followed Jesus longer than the time that I haven't. I encourage you in this moment where you have to close your eyes or whatever it is, bring yourself back to that moment. The resounding question in my mind when I think about who I was before God, who I was before I heard about the good news, who I was before I received him in my life, where would I be without you, God? There's no way. There's no way that my life would look like it does today. It's not perfect, but God, you have blessed me so far beyond measure, so much more than I deserve. Thank you, Jesus that you see me, that you see my family, that you love my children. Thank you, God. And as soon as I discovered who he was, God, my heart broke for all the people that I knew that didn't know who he was. But I know that's your heart too. I know that's the heart of our church. I know that's who you are, that you love God, but you love the people in your life. You love your kids, you love your family, you love your coworkers, you love the people that you know at the gym, you love the people that you play, play club ball with for the last three seasons and you wake up Saturday morning, 8 a.m., you're on the sidelines like, my Lord, schedule a different game, please but you're out there, you love them. So what do we do with that? What do we do with our love for God, but also the love that we have for other people? Pastor Drew, I've got so much on my calendar. I'm just trying to just to hold the steering wheel of my life. It has been a year, man. I've dodged this, I've dodged that. I do, I'm, I'm doing all that I know how to do. I'm just trying to make it to December 31st and just to cross the calendar off just to get to next year. I don't know if I could take another thing on. I'm just trying to take care of my family. I've got good news. God says and he knows he doesn't want it to be all up to us. He partners with us in all the seasons of our life, but especially right now. We do our part leave room for God to do the rest. We do our part, leave room for God to do the rest. What does that look like practically, the first thing? And forgive me, I know it's simple. I pastor milestone kids. Pray. Pray. Ask God for the wisdom. Invite him into the situation. We pray. 
God, would you give me eyes to see? Would you give me ears to hear? Would you give me a heart to feel? Highlight the people that you have around me. God, show me who needs your love during this season. Show me those around me who are walking around and they don't know the hope that you provide, God. God's, God's saying and he's asking, he's like, do it in the places where you're already at. It's at your gym, it's at your workplace, it's at your school, it's in the classroom, it's with the teammates that you have on your team, it's in the school pickup line when you wait for your kids to walk out of school. It's in the same places with the same people, but what he's saying, maybe it's with a new perspective to see those that God surrounded you with a little bit differently. See, we pray that prayer, and then what do we do? We take a step after that. We take a step of obedience. We ask God to prompt us. We ask God to speak to us. We ask God to show us. But then when he shows us, we take that step. What does that step look like? Maybe it is a yard sign. We have people every single year at our Christmas celebration services that say, I saw a yard sign, so I'm here today. You know what? Grab 10 of them. Put them in all your neighbor's yards. That'll for sure start a conversation. God will show up, though. Maybe it's a social media post. Ah, dude, that sounds a little impersonal. Or I don't really have that many followers and whoever pays attention to that anyway. I would encourage you, maybe do a Facebook share. Repost a Milestone Church account post. Share that, post it on your account. You could talk about how, like, what God's done in your family. Just share a graphic, why? Because it's significant. You never know if it's your post, no matter how many followers you have, that the person that you pray for that sees that post that encourages them. Maybe it's a simple personal invite. It's where you're already at. Well, I don't know. I don't know all of the Bible. I, what if they ask me something and I kind of just, just mess it up and then I just like, they're further away from God after talking with me. Like, here's a great thing. God doesn't expect you to know everything in scripture. God doesn't expect you to preach a message right then and there. He's saying, hey, you take a step of faith. Share your faith. Allow me to show up. So what that looks like is a conversation that might sound a lot like this. Are you and your family celebrating Christmas anywhere this year? Would you like to come with me and my family to Milestone? I'd love to save you a seat. And when we make that invite, more often than not, what you're gonna come to find out is they've been hoping, they've been praying, they've been wanting someone to get out of their comfort zone to invite them because they were scared to go by themselves, but they'll come with a friend. We hear that story every single year. Our job is to take a step. Our job is to extend the invite. What they do with that, how they respond, that's between them and God. Our job is to plant the seed. He's the one that makes it grow. You know, all of these things, why does this matter? It matters because imagine yourself right now at a Christmas service. You're standing in your row You worked really hard to get here. You got everybody out the door early because you lied to them and told them it started later than it did. That's a pro tip, by the way. You can do that. Don't lie, though, because God doesn't like that. But you're sitting there, and it's the spouse that you felt disconnected with but you've been praying for. It's the family that flew in town. They made all of the arrangements to get here and the hustle and the bustle and the lost baggage and this and that, but they made it and they're sitting next to you in your row. 
It's your oldest that just went away from school and now they came back. It's their first Christmas break from college and they were for the first time excited to be back home because all the things that you've been telling them their entire life they grew up and when they went away, they realized how wise you actually were. So they're excited to be in church today. It's maybe your youngest that is finally old enough to come to big church with mom and dad and with family and you're sitting there and you're holding your candle. It's lit and you're with your entire family and you're singing these Christmas worship songs and all of the hopes and the expectations and the things that you had and the stuff that you walked through, but for this moment, you with all of the people that you love and you look down and you wish you could just take a picture of it in your mind to keep it forever, but everyone in your family in this moment, your heart feels connected and close to God. You're experiencing something that money can't buy. You're experiencing something that is true wealth in your life. You're experiencing something because God is touching the heart of every single person that's on your row. And you're walking through all of these things and you just say, God, thank you for allowing me, to, for, for partnering with me, for showing me. Thank you, God, that you would speak to my kids. Thank you, God, that you would speak to my spouse. Thank you, God, that we get to be. Thank you, Lord, for everything in my life. And you wrap this year up far better than you ever dreamed. That's why this matters. I want to take a moment right now before we end our time together, and I want to pray for everybody that's in this room. If you'd close your eyes for a second, if you would say, Drew, I need the peace that you talk about. If that's you, if you would take your hands, you just open your hands at your seat right now. I'm not gonna embarrass you, not gonna ask you to stand, but just open your hands. And I just wanna pray that God's peace would be in your heart. Father, right now, I pray for every single person that's asking for peace in their life. Father, we know that peace is not a situation, but peace is a person, and our hands are open right now to receive. We lay down our burdens. We lay down the worry. We lay down the things that weigh us down. We lay down our anxious thoughts, our stress. We lay down our offense, and God, who we pick up is you, God. We pick up the Prince of Peace. I pray your peace would wash over them in this moment. I also wanna pray for people in this room, maybe as I was talking, talking about who we can take a step, who we can share our faith with. A person's name was in your mind the entire time we talked today. A person's name was in your heart. I want to pray that God would show up in the next few days as we have an opportunity to invite someone to a candlelight service. Father, I pray for every single name that's on the hearts of the people, God, that are listening right now. I pray, God, you would give them a boldness. We know that boldness is not a personality trait, but, God, it's a trust in you to take the step, God, to share our faith, to have that invite, to get a yard sign. God, I pray that you would provide opportunities for us to speak with these people, to show your genuine love that we have for them. God, I pray that you would give them the words to say, and I pray that the person's heart on the other end would be a soft soil for your, for your words to land on. God, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.